0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, welcome. Thanks for tuning in
1: today. I hope you had a great weekend. It's good to be back in my own studio, at least for a day. I'll share with you a little bit later where I'll be tomorrow and Wednesday. But first, coming up on this Monday edition... There were contrasting views of President Biden's comments about Armageddon this weekend on the Sunday shows. Now, as you may recall, at a Democratic fundraiser last week, Mr. Biden said Vladimir Putin was not joking about using nuclear weapons, which could bring about
0: Armageddon. The president was reflecting the very high stakes that uh, they're in in play right now, Martha, when you have a uh, modern nuclear power and the leader of that modern nuclear power willing to use irresponsible rhetoric the way that Mr. Putin has uh, several times in just the last week or two, uh, as well as uh, the, the high tensions in Ukraine uh, over just the course of the last few days. So the president, I think, was accurately reflecting uh, the fact that the stakes are very high right now.
1: That was John Kirby, White House Coordinator for Strategic Communications at the National Security Council on ABC this week, yesterday. Now, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had this response on Fox News Sunday. Those comments were reckless. I think they,
2: even more importantly, they demonstrate maybe one of the greatest foreign policy failures of the last decades, which was the failure to deter Vladimir Putin in the same way that the Trump administration did for four years. When you hear a President talking about Armageddon at a random, as a random thought, just musing at a fundraiser, that is a, a terrible risk to the American people. If-
1: So what should we make of the president's comments? Well, we'll talk with South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, who I think is probably one of the foremost experts on foreign policy in the Senate. He joins us in just a moment. I'll also get him to weigh in on the lapse politics of personal destruction that's being aided and abetted by the media. Also, Vice President Harris was in Austin, Texas, yesterday, Sunday, promoting one of the Biden administration's top priorities, abortion. It was an event with the National Abortion Rights Action League.
0: On this issue, I say, let's take the flag back. Mm -hmm. This is about freedom and liberty. At its core, this is about freedom and liberty.
1: Really? It's about freedom and liberty? This is the administration that is arresting pro-life leaders. While refusing to do anything about the acts of violence against care pregnancy centers and other pro-life organizations. Those attacks have been happening since May. We're going to talk about that as well. And here's some good news. Elected leaders are fighting back against woke corporations that are using the investments of its customers against them. The treasurer for the state of Louisiana is divesting the state from the uber-left firm BlackRock. State Treasurer John Schroeder joins us to talk about it. And finally, this was President Biden last week with what some have described as an o- October surprise just before the election. So today I'm taking three steps to end this failed approach. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. Well, he's saying uh all this about drugs. And we're going to talk about this. He's pardoning those who violated federal law. What about a pardon for the tens of thousands who are being forced out of the nation's military for not doing drugs or refusing his COVID shot? Well, beyond that, when the number one cause of death for those between the ages of 18 and 45 is drug overdose, overdose, do we really want to go further down this path of normalizing drug use? We're going to explore this further with Dr. John Fleming. He's a medical doctor and former member of Congress and former White House Deputy Chief of Staff. You don't want to miss that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. And just a reminder, coming up this Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand Town Hall at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Christian nationalism. What is behind the rise of this label? What's the left trying to do here? We're going to talk about that. That'll be the topic of the town hall meeting. I'll be joined by Pastor Gary Hamrick, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, Dr. David Mark Hall, and Dr. Stephen Coughlin. To find out more about how you can join and be a part of this event online, text the word town hall. That's one word, town hall, to 67742. Okay, our word for today comes from Second Chronicles, the 15th chapter, as Azariah gives a prophetic word of instruction and encouragement to Asa, the king of Judah. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You know, God is for us if we're for him. Now, Jesus said this over Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We're to live for the Lord, and he is for us. Azariah added to his message, challenging Asa with this encouraging reminder in verse 7. He says, Be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. God is for you, if you are for him. To find out more about the Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. This morning, the Russian military directed a blitz of missile strikes across Ukraine, shelling cities throughout the country, including Kiev. The strikes represent the most brutal assault on civilians away from the front lines since the earliest days of the Russian invasion. Ukrainian President Zelensky vowed that his country would rebuild everything that's been destroyed but given president biden's recent comments could things escalate before the ukrainian people have that chance joining me now to discuss this and much more is south carolina uh, senator lindsey graham he serves on four committees including the senate budget committee where he is the ranking member as well as the senate judiciary committee senator graham welcome back to washington watch
3: Hey, thanks, Tony. Before I forget it, uh, your office piece about my 15-week pain, pain-capable pain bill was a national minimum standard. If your audience hasn't read it, you need to read it, folks. It's the best explanation of what I'm trying to do, far better than what I've been able to provide. So thank you very much.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Lindsay. And I actually want to get into that in just a moment because I want to talk about that because since you came out and set that as at least a starting point of conversation, we've now seen right. kind of this national conversation shift. So I commend you on that. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. But first, your sure. take on President Biden's remarks about okay. Armageddon.
3: Okay. Well, it was reckless. Mike Pompeo got it right. But, you know, I've been doing this for a while and. It's not what I heard or what you heard or what he said. It's what did Putin hear. And here's my concern, is that Putin heard from those remarks, it's working. I'm in Biden's head. He's on the run. My provocative behavior is rattled Biden. That's why you don't need to say things like that, because it makes Putin harder to deal with.
1: So is there a diplomatic resolution for the situation there between Russia and Ukraine? Yeah,
3: Russia needs to withdraw from Ukraine, consistent with the 1994 Budapest memorandum borders, complete withdrawal. That will end the military conflict. Then we'll ask Russia to pay for the damage they've done in Ukraine, and we'll start prosecuting Russian war criminals. But that would end the fighting. In nineteen ninety four, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Ukraine became an independent nation and they did an agreement with the Russians and the British and the United States. The Ukraine Ukrainians had the third largest nuclear force on the planet to the Russians with the understanding to do this you will observe our territorial integrity, you will leave us alone, you'll respect our the borders in ninety four included the dominant. Do great bait switch. He took the news, invaded the country. But in this conflict, without Putin going completely, because if you do it that way,
1: the- Lindsey, we've we, we've we've lost we, we've lost you. We're going to see if we can re uh, reconnect and get a, a better con uh, connection with you. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, he's uh, on the road back in South Carolina, and I want to make sure that we can uh, hear everything that he is uh, saying. So we're going to reconnect with, with him. The, the The stakes are high here, and I think he's absolutely right. Russia is watching how we're reacting to this, and how our administration are they reacting with confidence? Are they act reacting with hand wringing? I mean, this is this is significant in how we respond to this now. Also, I'm going to talk with him about, you know, Putin is kind of being backed into a corner. His military has been decimated and he's been on this stage for quite some time. Uh, Talking about Senator Graham, he's been around. He understands. And I'm wondering if Putin will accept a diplomatic resolution to this or does America need to be prepared for something else? See, Do we have uh, Senator Graham back yet? All right, we're still trying to reconnect with him. Modern technology is great when it works. All right, Senator, are you there?
3: Yeah, I think the Russians knocked me off the air. Sorry about that.
1: Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so I, I, I made the statement while you were uh, while reconnecting with you. You've been on this stage for a while. You've run for president. You, yeah. as I mentioned, and I wasn't yeah. blowing smoke, I think you are one of the best Thanks. when it comes to foreign policy in the Senate. So you know Putin. Is Putin gonna walk away right. from this? I mean, his military has been decimated. No. He's been humiliated on the national stage. He, he's a dangerous right. man, in my view. Yes. Yeah, so how
3: does this orient? As I was saying, I don't know if you could hear it. In 1994, the Ukrainians gave up their nuclear force, which was the third largest on the planet, with a promise by the Russians called the Budapest Memorandum that they would honor Ukrainian sovereignty, leave them alone, and that included the Crimea and the Donbass. So here we are later, Putin tears up that agreement like Hitler did in Munich and uh, trying to take uh, land by force. If you could go back in time, do you think the Ukrainians would give up their nukes? No. So this has to end right. And what is ending right? The Russians need to withdraw completely from the Ukraine back to the 1994 boundaries. Putin needs to be prosecuted as a war criminal because he is. And that's the only way this can end. So there is no off-ramp. I I don't want to alarm you, but there's no off-ramp. There's no way for this war to end with Putin still standing. And what I think is going to happen, the Ukrainians keep fighting, and they will, if we keep helping them, they will be successful on the battlefield. Somebody's going to take Putin out in Russia because with him, he's going to destroy the country, and they're not going to let that happen.
1: But you're going to have to separate the Russian people from the Russian leadership and those involved in the war crimes. And I'm a little yes. concerned. And I agree with you in terms of making Russia pay for the reconstruction. But that gets us back to, you know, World War I, Germany, and what led up to World War Two.
3: Yeah. So what did we learn? Twenty-one years after the end of the First World War, we had the Second World War. So Hitler used the, the Versailles Agreement as a betrayal of a uh, sellout of the Jews of uh, Germany, right? That 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 the Versailles Agreement was humiliating to the to the German people. They lost World War One, and the Jews created the Versailles Agreement, stabbed Germany in the back. Okay, how does this war end? I've got no beef with the Russian people. I'd like to have a good relationship with them. Putin's their leader for 20 years. He's been killing people right and left. He invaded the Crimea in 2014. Now he's trying to dismember Ukraine, and he will keep going until t- somebody stops him. So how does this end? I said it early on. The Ukrainians are not going to give up their country, part of it, to Putin by force of arms. He signed an agreement in '94. Russia did. Now he's breaking it. So how does it end? Yeah. The Russian people will take care of this problem. Now, yes. I am not into punishing Russia like we did the Germans. I am to ending this war on favorable terms.
1: Yeah. All right, Senator, you hear that music. We're up against a break. So if you'll stick around, I want to come back because I want to continue our conversation, but I want to shift gears a little bit to the issue of the sanctity of human life, your stand for the unborn. And then I also want to talk about this. Uh, The left is focused on this character assassination, politics of personal destruction that they're engaged in. You know something about that. Folks, stick around with me. Senator Lindsey Graham is here on the other side of the break. Still more Washington Watch straight ahead.
0: Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God, and how his word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread, because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org/bible.
4: Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. We're continuing our discussion with South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. He serves on four committees, including the Senate Budget Committee, where he's a ranking member, as well as the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, Senator, before I get into this uh, discussion um, about the pain bill, I I want to uh, ask you a question. As a member of the Judiciary Committee, some of your colleagues on the House side Uh, alarmed that the FBI is being politicized, where we've seen now arrest of pro-life leaders, you know, look like raids going into their homes for violations of the FACE Act, some of them nearly a a year later. Uh, Are are you concerned that the FBI has been politicized under this administration?
3: Absolutely. How could you not be? Look at what happened to Crossfire Hurricane. That was the last administration. Uh, they investigated President Trump for connections with Russia. Their subsource, uh, a guy on the payroll with the FBI, a Russian guy, told them in January, everything in my uh, dossier, the the field dossier, was bar talk, rumor, and innuendo. And they kept getting warrants. They ran every stop sign. What did they do in terms of parents going to school boards protesting wokeness? They wanted to make them domestic terrorists. Now you have pro-life people being arrested for expressing themselves. Yes, I'm worried about it. Now, the average FBI agent out there, a guy or a gal, is doing a great job defending America against crime and drugs. Uh, But, yeah, I'm worried about it. And when we get the House and Senate back, we need to do more than worry about it. We need to hold our, pardon my French, into the House and Senate and ask them hard
1: questions. So, continuing this line of uh, the the, this, the way this administration has um, politicized the the Department of Justice called parents uh, domestic terrorists. As you well, they, they went along with the National yeah. School Boards Association that, that used that term. Right. But this is typical of the left, this politics of personal destruction. And you saw this with Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, talk a little bit about that, how they they make these allegations at a critical moment. And then the media kind of fuels it. And then when when it's all said and done, oh, the allegations just evaporate.
3: Okay, this is a playbook, you know. Let's go back to our previous conversation. What is Putin doing? He's taking a page out of Hitler's playbook, justifying invading neighboring countries because some of them talk Russian. Well, that's what you know, Hitler did, that I'm going in to take care of German people. So history does repeat itself. So what happened to him? The guy led an exemplary life, worked for President Bush, uh, one of the best candidates ever nominated by a Republican to be on the Supreme Court, highly qualified, we get into the hearing the last day now, okay? You understand this? Follow this closely. This is the last day. Out of nowhere, Dianne Feinstein says, well, I've had this letter. I just want to give it to you. I think I should. It's a letter accusing Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault with uh, Dr. Ford, Blasey Ford, right? It comes in the last day after the hearings about to wrap up. Every Democrat had met with him. Nobody, including Feinstein and Kamala Harris, ever acknowledged the letter while he was in their office. They blindsided the guy with this bombshell letter. The New York, uh, the Washington Post publishes the letter in detail. They already leaked it to him, and the rest is history. We have hearings. We stop the process. We call another round of hearings. We bring in Dr. Ford. We bring in people. Kavanaugh comes in to testify. It was one of the most despicable moments in my political career. They had five people come forward accusing Kavanaugh of different things. Three of them literally made it up. The other person, the Avenatti witness, made no sense She went to nine different parties where people were being drugged and raped. Don't you think one party with that would be enough? Why would you go to nine of them? It made no sense. They tried to destroy the man's life, and we won because Trump stood behind him, and I think I helped by just being outraged. This is their playbook. Now let's fast forward. This is October, late September, early October. All of a sudden you hear this about Herschel Walker, right? Herschel's had his problems. He's been upfront about who he is. Uh, he's saved by redemption. You think it's a surprise or an accident? These allegations—that are allegations that he's denied—comes out in October. This is the way they do business. They try to destroy conservatives who want to be judges, and they want to destroy particularly African American candidates like Herschel because they are afraid. of Well, they did it. And it ain't they work. did it
1: to Clarence Thomas. They did it to Clarence Thomas Not when Ford. he was uh, nominated. Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Yes. And and, and and you're you know, right. And uh, I've Judge I've
3: had it with it. I mean, I'm I'm going to Georgia to help Herschel. You know, I, you know Herschel, Herschel will change this country. This is about the families that listen to this radio program and the families of Georgia. Warren has got his problem. Herschel has got his problems. He's been accused of something. He denies vehemently. I'm standing with Herschel. When Herschel goes to Washington, he will secure our border. He will he will deal with, with crime, not empower it. He will stand up uh against out of control spending. He will he will be against liberal judges. Herschel will be good for the families of Georgia. It's about the people in Georgia. And this effort to destroy this man's life is not gonna work.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it. it's happened to me when I've been a candidate. I mean, it's just they, they destroy it, and then it goes by the wayside. It happens after, to when me they can't like prove every
3: it. three months. The way yeah, I, know I know I'm doing something right is when they come after me. If if they're coming after me the way they always do, it means I'm doing gonna...
1: <laughs> to Well, that, that's what happens when you come on this program. I, I watch your Twitter feed. So, uh...
3: all <laughs> <laughs> <I don't laughs> right, Senator, I, <laughs> well,
1: I, I just very quickly um, – the, the the issue of abortion, I'm going to play this clip very quickly. I don't know if you have time to respond to it, but play this clip okay. of uh, uh, that aired over the weekend of um, this is uh, Stacey Abrams.
4: The arbitrary standards of timelines ignore the medical reality that it is a fallacy. We know exactly when a pregnancy starts that we know exactly where we are in the system. I mean, in the in the term.
1: Fifteen seconds. How do you respond to that?
3: She's an extremist that denies science and wants to marginalize the unborn. A disaster for Georgia. She's poor abortion on the man of the moment of her birth. Don't make her a governor of anything.
1: The left has extreme positions. They won't draw, draw the line anywhere. Senator, always great to talk to Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. God bless. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, by the way. Here at the Family Research Council of the Washington Watch, we do not endorse candidates for office. All right. This was a discussion about this politics of personal destruction going after people. They make things up and then they scare everybody with these. Things. Was this really true? And then after the election or after the confirmation, the allegations evaporate. They go away. There's no foundation for them. This stuff has to stop. All right, folks, stick with us. More Washington Watch on the other side of the break.
4: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey.
1: All right, we've talked about this a lot. We're in the age of corporate wokeism, and we, we've seen this from so many different uh, Fortune 500 companies, Disney, Starbucks, State Farm, and, uh, I mean, the list goes on. The BlackRock Investment Company, which manages more than $10 trillion, that's with a T, dollars in assets, is among the worst offenders. Their investment strategy focuses heavily on priorities of the left, even even when that harms their clients. and that includes a lot of states who have their retirement systems with them. Well, the state of Louisiana, which has nearly 800 million dollars managed by BlackRock, recently said "Enough is enough," and they pulled their portfolio. Join me now to discuss why they did so is the treasurer of the state of Louisiana, John Schroeder. John, welcome to Washington Watch.
2: Hey, good. Uh, I say good morning, good afternoon.
1: Well, good to have you with us. Um, now, uh, kind of walk us through all of this and uh, what is called ESG investing, and why this is uh, harmful to some clients, like those in Louisiana.
2: Well, it's it's. Particularly damaging the Louisiana, you know, for the ESG being environmental social governance, um, is BlackRock's position on the fossil fuel industry, uh, itself. Um, everybody knows what oil and gas and natural gas mean to this state. And BlackRock has, is, is all but said they want to do away with the entire way we make our living. Um, in this state, so this is something I've been dealing with for a while now. It just broke last week, but it, what 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 I've been some people are saying that I've entered into a culture war. Uh, um, I don't think I've entered a, a culture war at all you know i'm i'm fighting to defend what i believe is the biggest part of our economy in the state of louisiana is about protecting jobs and and the the where, you know how people a lot of people make their lives in louisiana put food on their tables so what's what's really unique about this whole situation is that blackrock uses other people's money to push their own political agendas and why would right. I, as the state treasurer of Louisiana who controls a significant pot of money why would i why would I do that you know and, and as i as I've said to many um, folks over the last few days i i as treasurer, am managing about sixteen billion dollars in trust fund dollars and and the assets from that or the the um the interest that we gain is used in state government. So we have the principal, and then we have the interest that we earn. That interest goes to pay for not all, but some parts of, of state government. Um, so I took the position that why would I invest a dollar, much less $800 million, in a company that would like to see the oil and gas industry disappear? Not to even speak I mean- about their position, that, you know, nationally and on the world globe or what they do in China and, and other countries that would like to see the United States wiped off the face of the map. So, this has been a process that I, that I started late last year, and it leaked out last week, and I wanted to get out in front of it and control the narrative. So, it wasn't something I woke up last week. You can't move money that fast anyway.
1: Right, right. Well, I used to serve when I was in the house. I served in the uh, on the House Retirement Committee overseeing, you know, part of the investment of state dollars there. At the end of the day, as treasurer, you have a fiduciary duty to make sure that the money of the state of Louisiana is invested properly. But as you pointed out, you know, BlackRock is opposed to fossil fuels. And we derive a lot of our state's money, not just individuals, but the state government itself benefits tremendously from the oil and gas industry
2: yeah there's there's no question, and again, Blackrock does not invest their own money they 're investing my money and in this case, when I say my the state of state louisiana's and we 're not even talking about pension money this this is This is money that 's in our trust funds that we ha- we have or had invested in in Blackrock the whole the the real the real Easter uh, egg here the golden egg is the retirement money that's that's my next project now I sit on eight retirement boards out of thirteen in Louisiana I uh, only have one vote and I have um, I have sent numerous communications to these boards especially after the Russian war started and that's really when this whole thing came to a head um, when we started paying a lot more attention. Of, of where our money is and what happened when, when Ukraine got invaded. And and look, quite frankly, we could have a very similar situation happen with China and Taiwan. And it, yeah. it's going to it's going to send our market in, into a tailspin. So it's making me look much harder at where we're investing our money. And it's I can't tell these pension systems do not invest there or do not invest here. My my plan is to educate them, but I'm starting off by by showing them how much money is invested in inside the state of Louisiana, how much is invested inside the United uh, United States of America, and then how much is outside our country. Right. And I think once uh, these re- retirees see see where their money is, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna push back
1: back. All right, uh, John, final question. We're up against the break. Do you expect yeah. other state treasurers to kind of follow your lead on this? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm proud to say Louisiana sort of leading the
2: charge in the in the amount of money. But, yeah, I, I, look, yeah. I'm the new cha- chairman for the SFOF, which is the State Financial Office Foundation. So I can tell you, uh, they're all
1: working on us in one way, shape, or right. form. We've got to leave it there, John. Good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this.
4: Visit FRC.org internships to apply.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way, Joseph Backholm will be in for me tomorrow as I head to San Antonio, Texas. I'll be speaking at the annual banquet of the Pregnancy Care Center of San Antonio tomorrow night. Then heading over to Leesburg, Virginia on Wednesday for the town hall. And I'll be broadcasting from Cornerstone Chapel Wednesday prior to the town hall. But if you're in the area, come out and join us for the town hall, the Prevost Stand Town Hall Christian nationalism, what's behind this uh, this label, what's going on here? We're going to talk about that at 7 p.m. If you're not in the area but you'd still like to join us, you can join us online. Text the word town hall, that's one word, town hall, to 67742, and find out how you can be a part of this important national town hall meeting. All right, last Wednesday, or last Thursday, rather, we mentioned this, that uh, President Biden he issued these pardons for what he called simple possession of marijuana. Here's the uh, the clip of that announcement last week once again. So today, I'm taking three steps to end this failed approach. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. Now, this comes when the number one killer, the one Number one cause of death for those between the ages of 18 and 45 is drug overdose. Is this moving us further down this path of legalizing marijuana and embracing drugs as a way of life in America? Joining me now to uh, to talk about this and more is a former member of Congress from my home state of Louisiana, also a medical doctor, Dr. John Fleming, also a deputy chief of staff at the White House during the Trump administration. Uh, John, welcome uh, to Washington Watch once again. Good to see you.
6: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Always great to be on with you.
1: Now, this is not a new issue for you. You've been speaking out about this issue for quite some time. In fact, eight years ago, you warned that relaxing marijuana laws will destroy American families and burden taxpayers with an increasingly increased entitlement state necessary to support those impacted by the addictions. Do you still believe that?
6: Tony, uh, you know, at that time it sounded like hyperbole, like exaggeration, but unfortunately I grossly underestimated just how bad things would be. And as you know, many of states now have legalized marijuana, marijuana is definitely a gateway drug to other drug uses and addictions. We know now that uh, not only are we losing 100 to 120,000 people a year from drug overdoses, but it's it's been so prevalent that we're actually seeing for the first time in the entire life of our nation, a reduction in the lifespan of the average citizen in America. And it's all due to this. And that's That's when you adjust for COVID. So, unfortunately, I underestimated just how bad things would be. So
1: let's talk a minute about the gateway drug of marijuana. And some think, oh, you know, marijuana is harmless. But the marijuana that many are using today that they're buying is not the same as some marijuana we've seen before in the past.
6: Absolutely. This is not your father's or your grandfather's marijuana. It's much stronger. Uh, new syndromes have emerged as a result of uh, the strength of this. One is the cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, which means somebody who's a chronic user because of the high doses developed a chronic disabling of syndrome of vomiting to the point of malnutrition. Uh, we know now that Uh, If youth begin smoking marijuana, they have a 15% risk of drug addiction, period, whether it's to marijuana or something else later. And we also have uh, defined, SAMHSA has now defined through research that youth who use marijuana on a regular basis lose, on average, eight points in their IQ, and it never comes back even when they stop the use of marijuana. So,
1: so, Doctor Fleming, when you have these various pathologies associated with marijuana use, and then maybe subsequent drug use that flows from it, you said, um, who pays for that? I mean, what happens when these individuals become, un, uh, they, they they develop an inability to even provide for themselves or function in society? What happens?
6: Well, there's a high cost to society, Tony. All you have to do in in any mid-sized city now is walk down the street and you see tents. uh, You see people laying uh, on the sidewalk, uh, perhaps injecting themselves. Uh, This is an everyday occurrence, something we really have never seen in this country until recent times. This is the product. This is the outcome of widespread drug use. And um, it's getting much worse because... uh, for instance, our workforce now is the smallest we've ever had against the needs and demands that we have in business today. Businesses can't find people to work, and the reason is we're losing workers out of our workplace. So it's it's cutting deeply into our productivity and uh, the cost to society in, in terms of hospitalizations, in terms of uh, uh, such things as HIV disease, of course. Uh, is is a very heavy, heavy price. So it's getting worse. And again, the loss of use, that is uh, the number of young people dying. Now, we know most of that is from direct overdose, but the problem is they don't go directly to overdose. They start one drug at a time and march up until finally they begin to use dangerous drugs, which ends up ending their lives.
1: So what about these lawmakers and and they're on both sides both Republican and Democrat that want to um, legalize marijuana they want to loosen laws or eliminate laws altogether against certain drugs but at the same time they decry what's happening at our southern border where you have fentanyl coming across that has fueled this uh, rate of death overdose overdose deaths for so many
6: Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. Is there a little bit of hypocrisy there? Absolutely, Tony. I mean, you know, we used to call it the war on drugs, and we basically surrendered to the war on drugs beginning about 20 years ago. Uh, First, doctors were told by Purdue Pharmacy that narcotics were really not addictive. And, of course, we've since found out that's not true. I never believed that, of course, as a practicing physician. We've been told, told that marijuana and other drugs are harmless, um, and and we're finding out that, again, it leads to many other problems. Uh, so we've kind of given up on that, and to the point where we no longer even apply law enforcement. We're not doing anything to block it from coming across the border. So we're having very, very dangerous drugs such as fentanyl, which only just a tiny, tiny few granules are enough to kill a human, uh, are coming, and we're doing nothing to stop that and then, if somebody is dealing drugs and i'm I don't mean possession I mean uh selling drugs that's destroying lives uh d a s and and police departments now don't even bother to pick them up or arrest them and if they go to court, they're not going to be uh uh you know they're they're probably not going to be confined to prison and so as a result, we as a society has completely raised the white flag and surrender against drug problems and which means that our youth are wide open to whatever can happen to them and so uh it's 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 really the outlook is not very good tony so if we're waving the white
1: flag, it's a unilateral surrender. The, the, the yes. other side is not surrendering. They're advancing, uh, as we've seen, the, 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 num- the, the, the amount of drugs flowing across our, our southern border. But you made reference, uh, Dr. Fleming, to the states that have legalized marijuana. Now, many of them did so thinking the tax revenue would be worth it. But right. have they really received the supposed benefits from the legalization of marijuana?
6: No, the predicted revenues, Tony, have have gone far below what was expected. And the reason is because if someone is uh, utilizing a certain drug, such as marijuana, and it's legal, well, uh, how do you know where it came from? It might have come uh, through some sort of illegal means, or it may have come from a legal pot shop, of course. And so you, you have the sort of same sort of situation that we had in this country, say, back in the 30s, where you had bootleggers, right? People producing illegal alcohol. So what's happening is the revenue is not there. Meanwhile, those who use marijuana, again, cost society more and more dollars as a result of homelessness, as a result of hospitalizations, as a result of psychiatric disorders and overdoses and everything else in between. And as a result, more and more tax money is going to support uh, the people whose lives are being destroyed from this drug.
1: More than coming in from the revenue from yeah. the sale Absolutely. of the, the marijuana. Now, yeah. you're not only a, a doctor having uh, also been a member of Congress, but you were also a small business owner. And you yes. made reference earlier to the shrinking workforce and the difficulty people are having to find employer employees. But when you start thinking about some states that sort have of legalized marijuana, I mean, do you really want employees that, especially depending on what type of profession you're in, individuals who may come to work with, uh, you know, marijuana in their still in their system? I mean, uh, is
6: that really facilitating a productive workforce? Right. Uh, particularly in critical skills, such as, say, driving vehicles, uh, trucks, Uh, manufacturing, uh, construction. Uh, Do you really want somebody who is high on a drug to be doing that? Because not only are they a danger to themselves, but they are a danger to others. And there's no question whether it's marijuana or some other type of drug or alcohol in their system. Uh, It it is a huge risk. And so by legalizing marijuana, uh, states are really opening the door to all of these problems. And really most employers, while they still do, drug test when they do hiring, uh, they oftentimes uh, don't even bother to look at the result on marijuana because uh, if it's a legal drug, uh, virtually uh, 50% of applicants will probably have it in their system. So it's it's, it's a huge problem, and, and I still own businesses today. And again, we can't fill all of our positions because you don't have people who are um, really able to fill them physically in many ways. And as, you, and as you know, Tony, the military cannot feel this. They're about 15% down on recruits right now. Why? Uh, it's, it's a number of things, but one of them is, again, drug use, and uh, they just can't pass a drug test. And so we have a huge crisis, and it's only going to grow because of the demographics in this nation where we have fewer and fewer young, young people and more and more older people who need to be served. I mean, we need to really think through this. You know,
1: all right. So, who do you want to be under the influence of marijuana? Legalize it, and you. I mean, do you want your you want your kids' bus driver using it? Do you want uh, the airline pilot using it? Do you want the police officer that may be pulling you over? Do you want him to be using marijuana? Uh, who who I mean, who do we want to be using this? I mean, I think there's a lot of professions, a lot of occupations out there that it becomes extremely dangerous when people start using marijuana. And this idea that, well, it's recreational, you can use it on the weekends, this stuff stays in your system.
6: Right. Do you want your doctor? Do you want your surgeon with marijuana in his or her system? And, Tony, here's the other thing. Uh, When people use drugs such as marijuana, that's not the only drug they use. Uh, Polypharmacy is absolutely rampant. It's an epidemic in this country, so you rarely find a person, even if they're not addicted, but just simply recreationally using drugs, and they may use it only on the weekend and go to work on Monday. Uh, There may be a number of different drugs, Adderall, uh, you know, narcotics, uh, other things that, you know, like ecstasy and and other drugs that sort of are utilized to um, experiment with and so forth all of these drugs are circular, circulating in the brains of people that you work around every day and people who serve you and certainly somebody who's driving a vehicle or flying a vehicle or or certainly performing surgery on you i if i knew that myself i would not allow them of course to provide that service to me
1: So the bottom line, Dr. Fleming, is that by eliminating the laws or moving us down this path to decriminalize the use of marijuana. Now, in this case, the president's pardoning those who had been convicted. But the message it is sending is that drugs are okay, and we're moving further down this path. And it is, as you've pointed out, a very destructive, costly path for America.
6: Right. And, Tony, to be sure, No one is promoting that we put people in prison who use marijuana. Uh, The so-called pardons that the president is doing, the White House admits there's no one in federal prison as a result of marijuana possession. It doesn't exist. They admit this. Uh, It seems so cynical that what they're really trying to do is to take that off people's records who may have spent a brief period of time uh, you know, it, it, perhaps in a, in a local jail or something like that, or maybe they're on probation so they can go out and vote. So it's a way of getting more voters. Right, right. It's in, the, in October,
1: the October exactly. surprise. Dr. Fleming, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today.
6: Great, Tony. Always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend.
1: All right, uh, Dr. John Fleming. It's a very... Something that we need to be thinking about thoroughly. Now, I I have said this before. um, I do not think we should be incarcerating nonviolent drug users. I think we, and I supported this back when I was in office, putting them on a path of help. But legalizing it, making it common and more accessible, bad idea. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6 where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.